Awesome. How you guys doing? You good? Anybody going to go to L.A.? They said, yeah, are you really going? Because I need to know, because we need to start making plans. Man, it has been awesome hearing the last three weeks, the stories from Dahlia to Gabe last week and to Jamie this week. Um, isn't that cool? It's just there's something different. It's one thing for someone to get up here and go, man, good things are happening. It's a whole other thing to have people actually tell you what those things are. And uh, I absolutely love what we heard uh, from Jamie this morning, and the worship was phenomenal. Man. Christina, you were fantastic. I don't know where she's at, but she did a great job. Your praise is here to me. Can't you see? This kind of sounds like that, right? It does. It kind of has that little... Sorry, I just messed you up. Now you're never going to be able to sing that song normal again. <laughs> hey, uh, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled you guys are here. I heard some of you guys might have had to um, <laughs> talk to a security guard to get in this morning. I, I didn't know that was happening. I'm sorry. We should have had popsicles. Uh, didn't know that was going to go on. But glad you made it through. I'm glad you didn't just turn around. Glad they didn't kick you out. Hey, if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we've been in a a series called Jesus the Christ, which if I'm honest with you is not going to end anytime soon. And how many of you know if we're going to talk about Jesus on every street and every heart, we probably should know who Jesus is. I feel like that's a prerequisite, right? And some of you guys are getting done with school saying, please don't ever say prerequisite again. Um, But I, uh, I just think it's important for us to know when we say take Jesus or see Jesus on every street and every heart that we know who he is. And and I think the problem is, for many of us, we have an idea of who he is, um, and it's gotten a bit convoluted, a bit blurry, uh, maybe even at times a bit more than it was meant to be. And so it's been difficult to see Jesus on every street because we add all these expectations or add all these ideas or add all these customs or traditions. We talked a bit about that last week onto our experience of what it is to see Jesus. And we wanted to, in the very first week, we talked about this idea that he is simply supreme, That we must keep the message and the gospel and the good news of Jesus simple. How many of you know we tend to make this whole faith thing, this whole Christian thing, a bit complicated sometimes? And and the apostles, all they ever did, in fact, you see this phrase used by Paul. He says, we preach Christ. In fact, you would see in Acts 5, you see this place where they're talking about the apostles going from house to house, talking about Christ, not all the other things, not all the other expectations and traditions and ideas, none of those are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when they become the main thing, you've missed the point. And so the whole point of Colossians is for Paul, he's dealing with a group of people who have made a decision to follow Jesus, they've heard about this Jesus guy, they've seen a lot of things happen, and they've given their life to him. But because of the other people in the city from both religious backgrounds and just uh, cultural, worldly backgrounds, they've begun to add on to this simplicity of Jesus uh, all these expectations, all these rituals. So you'll see phrases in Colossians like new moon festivals and Sabbath. Interesting phrases, interesting kind of uh, differences in those. But they're these, these, these words because Paul's trying to make sure they knew who Jesus was. Because so many times we can get mixed up with what culture says Jesus is, a good guy, nice fellow, appreciate what he's done for the earth. 
but what Paul is telling us and what every apostle is telling us is that Jesus, Jesus, is supreme over all things. He was there when everything was created. He'll be there whenever the new heaven, new earth comes. He is, he is that's a big phrase. I apologize for just dropping that right on you. Go read a book. Um, and, uh, but it's this whole idea that Jesus is the thing. And so when we say Jesus, the Christ, how many of you, let's be honest. Can we be real honest? How many of you lived your life thinking Christ was just his last name? None of you, you're liars. You're all liars. You're making me feel really stupid because I grew up thinking that for at least a little while. Jesus, the Christ. The idea here is that Christ was not his last name. It was his title. It was his position. It was his vision. It was his expectation. It was who he was meant to be. He was the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one to be what Jesus means, Savior. So he was anointed to save, and only he could do that. So I don't want to move on from this series too quickly. In June, we're going to talk about faith. July, we're going to talk about freedom, because come on, it's July 4th. In August, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be in relationship and be the church together. And uh, that's about as far as I get. I don't plan out much further than that. Um, but, but, but I don't want to move on from this too quickly, because I think it's one of the biggest questions we could ever answer is, who is Jesus? In fact, it is. It's not one of. It is the biggest question you will ever answer in your faith is, who is Jesus? Is he one that just showed up to give you some rules? Because here's my thing. Like, if Jesus was just a nice guy, all he did is come and tell me a bunch of things I needed to do without any real way of saving me when I don't do them. That doesn't sound very nice to me. Like, you better do these or you're going to end up in a bad place. And I hope you, I hope you nail it. I hope you get it right. Right? The whole question of how good is good enough. Well, I just got to be a good person. Well, what defines good? And who is defining that? Are you defining that? Because I've found that I have different definitions of what good is than what some of us have. I, I, you know, I go out and hang out with people and I go, oh, your definition of good is different than my definition of good. Your definition of good parenting is different than my definition of good parenting. As long as my children don't run out the front door of the restaurant, I'm good. As long as they are still contained in this building, quarantined in this building, we are good. Sir, could you please lock the front door? My son is strong. <laughs> right? Colossians 3, we get into this place where Paul, and it's one of the challenges, I think, of living out our Christian faith, is one of the biggest challenges is that Paul moves from this place often where he moves from this theology, which is our idea and belief about who God is, into ethics. Meaning, how now do we live because of our view of who God is? And what we have a, challenge, and what we have a tendency to do is we, we tend to live on the ethics side of our behavior and what we do and how we do things and we correct those things. And we tend to forget the theology and the belief of who God is as actually the driving force of every kind of behavior and action that we have. So if we major on the ethics or the actions of our faith without getting back to the source and the simplicity and the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus, then we get frustrated and discouraged and then we begin to put those things on other people because we want them just as frustrated as we are. Just as miserable as we are. I can't get it, neither can you. Well, no, I've done everything. Well, I have one more thing for you to do. There's a new moon festival I'm pretty sure you never did. So you're like, what a new moon. Read Colossians 2. You'll get it. It's all good. And so Colossians 3, he begins to move into this place, but he does set it up well for us. So I just want to jump in.
to Colossians 3, and we're going to read a few verses. And then next week, Mother's Day, we've got all kinds of surprises next week. And uh, we are really, really excited about it, um, including some things that only the moms get. Uh, and so you're going to get a ticket, and you're going to partake, and you are going to smile and taunt everyone else, just like you have wanted to do since you had children. Um, and so, uh, so please make sure you come and hang out and bring some friends with you. Colossians chapter 3, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you have been, it's important to believe that, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, everybody say set your sights, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That's easier said than done. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, these are big statements. When Christ, who is your life, I just want you to just take a second, if you need to write it down or highlight in the Bible, whatever. When Christ, who is your life, shows back up, you will also be revealed in all his glory. Which to me means, when you see Jesus, you see me. When you see me, you see Jesus. We are that close. That's what, that's what covenant actually means. Verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I like that word. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, meaning he wants something, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's good stuff, isn't it? I don't even need to preach. Just read your Bible. It's fantastic stuff. Hey, let me pray over this and we're going to jump in. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that your word is alive I thank you that your word is living and active and ready for anything we can throw at it. I thank you, Jesus, that you are with us and that you are our life and that there is no other place we can go to discover who we really are. God, I pray that today, the Holy Spirit, you would speak the words you want to speak. God, I pray the stuff I say that was never meant to be said would be erased from our memory. I pray that the major things that you want to speak into every individual person here and to us as a church, God, would be remembered, would be founded upon, and we would lean into what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever uh, been a part of a conversation um, where at some point, or maybe you observed a conversation, where at some point you said something like, um, well, this just got real. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe, you, maybe it was so good you were watching it and you were just kind of observing. It might have even been a YouTube clip and you were just like, whoa, this just got real. In fact, if you ever watch Meredith and I, I know, we've been almost married 12 years in a couple weeks. Come on, y'all. And uh, yeah, 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 she's put up with me. And, uh, and like, I'm sure at some point, if you had observed Meredith and I in our home, by ourselves, when no one was around, and Meredith said something or I said something, one of you would have been like, whoa, 
It just got real. And you would have inserted another word. You would have added two letters to it. Just got real. Some of you are offended. It just got real. And I, I'm just, you know, like, listen. I just, I, I don't like to pretend up here. I just want to let you know. I think I should, I should be honest with you. Y'all be honest with me. Let's just be real people. Oh, that ties in. That's a great segue. That was not prepared. But it gets, and what do we mean when we say that phrase? What we're trying to say when we say it just got real is that all the, the polite, all the fake, all the dishonest, all the just kind of making you a little happier. I don't want to get that angry. I don't want to go to that place. We, we're just kind of getting rid of all of those things, and we're finally being transparent. We're finally being honest, and maybe the best word is we're finally being authentic with who we are and what we're dealing with. And I don't know about you, but I feel like the earth is screaming for authenticity. Just, just at the top of their lungs, screaming for authentic. Man, I just want my friends to be authentic, to be real, to just be honest with who they are. Because I'm tired of being someone that is not authentic and not real and not honest with who I am to try to keep with, with all the other people who are lying about who they are. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? And we, we, almost, we almost get on to people who get authentic and real with who they are. We almost begin to make fun of them. I heard a, a preacher one time talk about, about the, a generation who's dealing with Instagram. And, and, the, and the problem with it is not that you have good things happening in your life. is that But you don't ever feel like there's a place for you to fail. And yet failure is one of the greatest forming things in your life. Realizing that you're, you can fail, but it's not fatal. Realizing that you can mess up and it doesn't mess up God's purpose for your life is one of the greatest experiences to be able to stand up here like Jamie and go, I'm lost, I'm frustrated, I'm hurt. God, you called me. Like that's one of the greatest things you can experience in your world. To learn from and to experience in those moments that Christ's love has not left you. That failure does not define you. And if anything, failure will shape you for the next season of your life. I think the world is screaming for authentic people. And let us always be a church that is authentic with who we are. That, that gets rid of, that when we come in on a Sunday, that at least every once in a while we go, okay, it just got real. Like I'm forced to face what's going on in my life. And I wonder if there's a place or a moment in your life that if people were observing your world on a daily basis, they could say, oh, it just got real for them. Oh, it just got real. Like now they really need to find out if they love Jesus. Oh, now it's really going to be tested whether or not they'll follow him in the midst of everything else that's going on. Oh, now, now it's, do they really believe in what God's called them to do? Now they, it, it just got real. And I think Paul is trying to get across to us that, that, that there's only one place that the most authentic version of you is found. And that's in the most authentic relationship with Jesus. That there's only one place where authenticity is found in its most pure form. And that is in the one who made you and created you to be. That's why freedom is not really about uh, the things you get to do. Freedom is more about being fully confident in who you are. 
Because the more confident you are in who you are in Christ, the less you have to worry about who you're impressing, who you're trying to be fake for, who you're trying to lie to, to try to somehow impress people. You're living impressed by the creator. You're living impressed by Jesus. And so then you begin to live a different life. Your head up, your shoulders high, because Jesus is your definition. And so I think, I think in a world that's screaming for authenticity, I think we should be a church, and the church should be the place where people find authenticity, where people find the most real version of ourselves. I think it's the most incredible thing that for thousands of years, people from all sorts of backgrounds, from all different places, ages, uh, uh, ethnicities, uh, uh, educational backgrounds, financial backgrounds, from all different kinds have shown up in one place and worshiped the same God. Because the most authentic version of yourself is the one when you take your eyes off yourself and realize it is hidden with Christ. And the word hidden here is not like he's trying to play hide and seek with you. You know, he's not like running away every time you get close, he's moving spots. Like, I don't think you'll find it. That sucks for you. It's, it's more like when you play hide and seek with my children and Kaysen goes and hides and Grayson comes and shows me where Kaysen is. Or just stands there looking at Kaysen like, oh, this is fun, this is fun, you know. And you know exactly where Kaysen is, and so you have to, as a parent, act like you don't know. You know, and Gray's like, seriously, dude, I'm, I'm standing right in front of him. And I, I feel like that's the Holy Spirit, the whole point of the Holy Spirit. I'm calling my son the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to go, no, no, it's right here. Don't stop looking. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's not hidden in the sense that he's trying to keep it away from you. It's hidden in the sense that it is safe and it is secure and it will not be destroyed because it is in Christ Jesus. So there is nothing that can come against and nothing that can hurt and nothing that can frustrate who you are because it's hidden in Christ. And Christ stands supreme. Christ reigns above all. Christ is above all things. So there is nothing that can touch him. And so if you put your life in who he is, then nothing can touch you. And that's not some kind of prosperity gospel type thing. I'm just simply telling you that regardless of the situation you walk through, your life is still your life. And Jesus is still yours. And you are still his. And people need to hear that. It just doesn't matter what you're wearing. Although I care about that. I like to try and look good every once in a while. Do I look okay, babe? It's amazing. Fellas can just wear a t-shirt and some pants. We're like, yeah. <laughs> it's not fair, is it? Ladies are like, Rhonda laughed, but the other ladies are like, no, that is not funny. But just to be, for us, man, we just put so many other things in front of ourselves. And we almost have to get into these difficult, challenging even painful moments to finally deal with the fact that we aren't everything we tell people we are. Because we're, maybe we're afraid of our failures. Maybe we're actually more insecure than we'd like to acknowledge. Maybe, maybe we just have some struggles that we think define us. And we think if those come to the surface, if things get real enough for us to have to actually deal with those, th th then it won't be dealt with. And there is no fullness of God in Christ who is now in me. And, and he isn't supreme. And he, and he won't be able to change that. And he won't be able to shift that. And he won't be able to. 
But I've, I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing people in here who have experienced otherwise. And I know it's easy sometimes, it's why Paul really hammers this, to, that it's easy sometimes to slip back into that place of, of, of living according to the world's expectations of you. Right? Isn't that what he says in Colossians 2 on several occasions? Why, if you've died to this world, do you continue to subject yourself to the laws of this world? That's the very end of Colossians 2. What you eat and what you drink and what, no, get rid of all that. That's a shadow of the reality to come, which is Christ. He is our substance. Now, here's where it gets kind of difficult. Here's where it gets kind of difficult, right? It's because in the next paragraph, depending on which translation you're reading, the next paragraph, it says, so put to death, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I think this is the part we have a really difficult time with. I think this is the transition for many of us that we have a tough time making. Not that we, we don't understand there's wrong things and there's sinful things. We did like, but we have this difficult transition of going, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to set my sights on you. I'm going to put myself in the reality of heaven. I'm going to think upon those things. And remember, the word think here is not one that it's just a brain thing. The word think is much more tied to the heart than it is anything else. So when you read think in the Bible, it's, it's, it's not necessarily just process this logically or reason through it. It's actually to place your affections upon and to place what you love upon heaven. And so your heart, your affection is Jesus. And so that would begin to move through the rest of who you are. Because no matter how much we think a thing, it isn't until we feel a thing that we always make a move on a thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you have thought some very poor things about the person you were dating. And for some reason, this keeps taking you there. Don't look to your right or left. Yeah. Because the heart is strong. It's why, right, why in Proverbs we read, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. Everything flows from there. Because where you place your affections is where your life ultimately will begin to move. And so, he's, so it's, I think it's this difficult place. Think about heaven. Set your sights on heaven. So put to death. And I, I, I love the language put to death because it's not like a suppressive thing. Don't suppress these things. Don't hide these things. Don't just put them in another room in the house. It actually says, this is, this is strong, put it to death. Like it does not deserve to be in you. But again, if we mess up the order of these phrases, we will mess up the order of our life. Because he's, he says, put to death after he says, set your sights on heaven. And he never tells you to take your eyes off heaven. It doesn't go, set your sights on heaven for 10 minutes and then go into the rest of your day forgetting what heaven was like and try to sort out what you need to do in your world. But how many of us live that way? How many of us live like that? How many of us go, God, I love you. You're awesome. I'm going to go. I, I got to go back into my day now. But you have been great. This 10 minutes with you, man, like, whoa. But I've got to go, go handle my, my issues. No, he says, okay, keep your eyes there. Go do what you can. But don't stop looking at who I am. Don't stop. Forget the realities of heaven. Set your sights upon him. Because when we sing this song, the presence is heaven to me, that doesn't mean we're escaping it means that no matter where you are, Sunday morning or Tuesday afternoon, the presence of God is with you. And I'm bringing heaven to earth because my eyes are on heaven. One of my favorite people in all the world. In fact, Jamie, you'll meet him when you go to 
England and hang out at C3. Simon McIntyre said this one time. I love it. He said, our heads are in heaven, but our feet are firmly planted on the earth, and we're going to make a difference. Because my affections are with him. And so then he says, so it says, remember, let's just, let's just read the order of this again. Verse 1, since you have been raised to new life. Now let's skip to verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. This is not a, a paragraph of all the things that condemn you. This is not a paragraph of all the things that make you evil. This is not a paragraph about how you're a failure if you've done one of these. This is not a paragraph about, my goodness, could you just get over yourself by now and knock out some of these things? This is a paragraph that's reminding you that because he's given you life already and you died to those other things, put those things to death because they don't have any place in your life anymore. Because when you understand that your real life is hidden with him, it is much easier to put to death the fake things that tend to try to hold on to you in your world. That's why Hebrews 12 says, so strip off everything that weighs you down and the sin that so easily entangles you. I love the distinction between the two things because it is not always just sin that weighs you down. Strip off all that stuff. You don't have to wear that anymore. It's not for you anymore. Now let me just add something here because this is, I think, really, really important. I want to go to Romans chapter 8. And I'm only going to read this one. But there are multiple, multiple verses like this one. So if you could throw Romans 8 up there on the screen. It talk, and it's talking about, um, here we go. For if you live by its dictates, it's talking about the flesh, okay, you will die. All right, pretty straightforward. But if through the power of the Spirit, you following me? If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Okay, now if you leave one of these phrases out of here, you're going to be frustrated. But if through the power of the Spirit, if you leave that little piece, that power of the Spirit, out of this, this verse, and you have left it all up to yourself to put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will die still. It is the power. So even when you read the fruit of the Spirit verse, I don't know if you've ever read this. It's talking about a bunch of things you shouldn't do, and then it talks about all the good things you could do. And, and the first one is the works of the flesh, meaning what you did. The next one is, but through the, the power of the Spirit, the produce of the Spirit, you would have love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. In fact, this is the same thing that uh, Christina referenced in, in worship this morning. That the same Spirit that lives in you that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And so the whole of Romans 8 is talking about all the things God has made available to you and the power of the Holy Spirit in you is the very thing that allows you to access those things and walk in them. See, our, our, the reason we are so challenged in this particular set of verses and even anything that sounds remotely like it is because the transition from I have died to, uh, died to sin, I live in Christ too, so put to death the simple earthly things, the transition there is we go from loving God and allowing God to do it to us. He's raised us to new life, but now I got to do it. And I'm not saying that you're absolved of every responsibility and there's not things you got to do, but you don't do them by yourself and in and of your own power. You do them through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's this quote that I have here that I want to read to you uh, about, about those who are at peace with God. And I, I love this verse. I thought it summed this up really, really well. Could you throw that quote up there? I know I gave you two. You're just going to have to see if you picked the right one. There it is. Wow. Everybody give hands to Jessica back there. Fantastic. And I'm not going to read his last name. The, the Christian mortifies sin because he is at peace with God. 
The legalist mortifies sin to try to be at peace with God. It's a big phrase, isn't it? It's a big sentence. That's ah, two sentences, so not as cool, I guess. The Christian mortifies sin because he is at peace with God. Because he knows who he is. Because he is with God. Because he has been at peace with God because Christ died and rose again and I died and rose again with him. Because of that, it's easier for me to deal with, to put away, to put to death sin. Because I know where I stand. Because I'm at peace with him. It gets harder when I forget where I stand. In fact, if you keep reading, let's read... Just a few verses down, verse 7. Verse 7 of Colossians 3. You ready? You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Now, there's a really important part of Colossians where he says, and God has transferred us into the kingdom of light because of his dear son. He has taken us out of darkness into the light. In other words, he has changed our location. He has changed our standing. I don't know if you've ever been to another place, like another uh, country that has different customs than you are used to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've been to a place where they don't eat the things you eat or they don't, uh, you know, maybe you go to Australia and you don't realize that waiters are not there for you. They are simply there to be paid, and they don't get tips, and so there is no reason for them to serve you like you get served here. Maybe, maybe you, you've been, and there's certain words that are um, not uh, appropriate, depending on where you are. They're actually cuss words, and here they're just slang, because Americans love to make everything slang. Words that don't actually mean anything. And I, I don't know, maybe you've been to other places. Maybe certain signals with your hand, like hello, or maybe, you, you know, maybe someone has grabbed you and kissed you on the cheek before, and you're like, I don't know what just happened there. I'm married, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've just met someone from another place, and they are, they are doing things that you're going, that's not okay. Right? And it's because your context has customs, there are things that where you live and what you surround yourself with dictate for you the type of customs and behaviors you should have. And so if we continue to subject ourselves, in fact, listen to the phrasing, right? Your real life, your most authentic life is hidden with Christ, in Christ. Maybe the biggest word in the Bible is the word in in Christ Jesus, it is a location word. It, it, it locates you. It says you are in Christ and there is nothing else that can define you. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. Because you're in him. And he is in you. So that's why Paul says all these crazy things like to live is Christ, to die is gain. The life I live, I no longer live by myself, but I live in him and through him. That's why Paul says here that your life is him. Your life is Jesus. And in the next phrase that we just read, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, when you still placed yourself in this world, when you said this world was your surrounding, was your culture, was your context. And so many times we get mixed up on our customs and behaviors and actions because we have allowed ourselves to move out of the new place that we were supposed to live. We live in Christ. So set your sights on him and on the realities of heaven. Because if you forget where you live, you will forget how you live. If you forget where you live, in right standing, in forgiveness, in grace, in mercy, in truth, in power, in the spirit. When you forget that's where you live, then you will move over here and you will forget how you're supposed to live. 
You will forget the fruit of the Spirit that you have. You will forget the grace and mercy you have for people. You will forget the love that only comes from Jesus. Quit trying to love people so well out of your own strength. Love them because Christ loved you. Right? Because if you know where you live, you can walk down the street and it doesn't matter what they look like, what they talk like, the things they're messed up with, the things they're dealing with, the things they're struggling with. You can look at them and go, man, I love you. You're loud after midnight, but I love you. Now, you never mow your lawn, but I love you. Because I live in the freedom of who I really am. I'm not trying to be somebody else. I've discovered I'm at peace with him so I can put to death all that fake stuff. I mean, even everything he listed is all about how we're interacting with people. And most of the slander and most of those things come because we're trying to please somebody that we don't need to be pleasing. We've forgotten where we live. We live in Christ, where love is abundant and unconditional. We live in Christ where power is available to you and I. We live in Christ where healing and the prophetic word and all those things can happen. Why? Because we're not living according to ourselves. Now here, let me just be real clear. That doesn't mean be weird. Please, stop being weird. It does not mean be strange. It might be weird that you're loving people that maybe other people don't want to love, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't put your head in heaven and your feet in heaven and forget what earth looks like, you know. I, I think we get weird. We get weird in both directions. We get weird in this place that we're no earthly good because we've forgotten that that's where we're meant to live. Or it's the other way. We get weird because we start adding all these traditions and ideas of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it to be accepted in this whole thing, this family of God. And that's weird too. If Paul were to look at that, he'd go, no, that's wrong, and that's wrong. I need you to take heaven and bring it to earth. I need you to get grace and match it with truth. I need you to make sure that these things are coming together in you because you live in him, and the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and Christ dwells in you, and so you no longer live, he lives, and I should be okay with that because it means I really know who I am. So that's the big challenge this morning. Have you started at so put to death instead of starting at since you were raised with Christ? Do you start every day going, man, I gotta put that to death, and I gotta put that to death, and I gotta put that to death, and I gotta put that to death? And instead of starting with, God, I've been raised to Christ with you. I have my, my real life is hidden with you. I know who I really am. I'm authentically me because I know the authentic Christ. I have not added anything, I've not subtracted anything. He is everything I need to know. And in that, the Holy Spirit begins to work. Because what does it say just a few verses later? Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I think we have this pressure sometimes to somehow put on the new nature and then feel like we better get it all right now. No, no, put on the new nature, keep your eyes on Jesus, and as you do, you will learn to and know and become more like the one who created you and made you. You don't have to, look, you can put on the jersey without knowing how to dribble the ball. Do you understand that? You don't have to have it all together. That's not the point of this. The point of this is not to get you all corrected and sorted out. The point of this is to go, Christ died, 
you died. All that stuff is dead, so quit letting it live. Jesus is alive in you. You are made new in Christ Jesus. You can walk in new life. Don't forget where you live on the rock who is Christ Jesus. No storm, no thing can come along and wreck this house. What you're building in Christ is secure, and it is strong, and it is life-giving, and you need to stay there because I don't want you for a second to forget where you live. Because if you do, you'll forget how you should live. Because it is all from him, for him, with him. He doesn't leave you on your own. So some of us today, we got to get a bit more authentic. See, I don't think you have to do that by yourself. I don't even think you have to start that journey until you first found authentic Jesus. First found that place where you can bring every struggle, every sin, every weight, every snare, every single thing to someone you know will not condemn you because you are now in Christ Jesus. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I'm done being fake. I'm done being unreal. I'm done being unauthentic. I am pressing in to the realest version of myself. It should, right now, be getting a little bit real. I want you to bow your heads. Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, there are some of us who have spent the good por- a good portion of our life or a good portion of our most recent past trying to impress people we don't even like, trying to live a certain way. And God, I pray that right now we would get rid of the fake things, that because we know we are at peace with you, because we, we know that we have died and risen again with Christ, we don't have to live that way anymore. God, we can still be all the things we want to be and we can still wear all the things we want to wear and buy things we want to buy and that's, that's all fine. There's none of that's wrong in and of itself. God, but we, when we are doing those things to try to somehow find some authentic version of us, to find the real version of us, when you say that the realest version of who we are is wrapped up in the realities of heaven where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, that's where the real me is. I find myself in you. Now, for many of us, even for many of us who've grown up in church, or many of us who understand that Jesus gave us life, we have still been trying to live somewhere old and try to act something new. God, you want to flip those things. You want to get us back to where we live in the new place. We live in the new nature. We live in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we begin to walk different. We begin to talk different through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we will live in a new way as we set our sights on you and become more and more like the one who created us. God, I I pray there's people in here right now, and in a moment I'm going to ask them to be bold and take a step. But I pray that right now in this place, there are those who have allowed fake things to define them and to determine who they are. God, I pray that right now you would take those things off their life through your power, not their own, not their own strength. But Lord, they would just simply lay in front of you. They would just simply be honest with you. That they would just say, God, I need you to do this. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I want to be authentically me. 
I want to be the most authentic version of myself that I could possibly be. That's what I want. That's what I desire. Is that you this morning? And you go, yeah, I, uh, man. I've just been, I've been, I've been trying to be somebody else. I've been, I've been kind of faking it. I've been faking this faith thing, or I've been faking this life thing, and I, I keep, it looks like I'm living this real life, it looks like I'm living this fun thing, but man, on the inside, on the deepest parts of who I am, I'm unfulfilled, I'm locked up, I'm not free, I'm not being authentic, I'm not being honest about where I am, I'm not being honest about the dreams I have, I'm not being honest about the struggles I have, I want to find the real me, I want to find the authentic me in the real Jesus. That's you, and you say, today, I just want to give all that to Jesus. I want to give all that to Jesus. I want to find myself in him. And you may not know exactly how that's going to happen or how that's going to look, but today you want to at least take the step of saying, I want to acknowledge it, I want to live in it, and he'll, he'll sort it out as I keep my eyes on If that's you today, you say that to me. Would you just right now, with boldness and courage, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Anybody else? Just keep your hand high. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just right now, just put your hand up. So good. Now, why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Hey, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to pray real quick, but we're going to sing a song. Those of you guys who raised your hand, I'm not going to make you come to the front, but as we sing, and here's, here's what I believe. Here's honest truth. There are some of you who raised your hand or who didn't raise your hand, and you're going, yeah, even that was a little bit like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, you know. And God's going, be real with it. As we sing, if you'd like to, Rhonda's standing over here with something for you. We just want to talk to you. Even if, even if you wait till after the service, that's fine. But we don't believe anybody should do this alone. We don't believe anybody should try to do this by themselves. Because God didn't make us to be loners, didn't make us to be by ourselves. He meant to build us into the church brick by brick so God can dwell in us fully. Amen? Lord, I pray over every person who raised their hand. God, I pray that you give them boldness and courage. God, it takes courage to be authentic. It takes courage to be real. God, I pray that they would know that courage doesn't come just because they want it. It comes because they're clear. They're clear in knowing that Jesus is where I'll find it. And he will not leave me. He will not forsake me. He loves me just as I am. And the quickest way into his presence is to be honest about that, to be real about that, and begin to discover who I am in Jesus. So God, we worship you. Lord, I pray you give those who raise their hand, and even those who didn't, God, a courage and a boldness to be honest with you and walk into new life and to change where they live so they can change how they live. But Lord, I pray they keep their eyes on Jesus. Keep their eyes on you. God, we thank you for them. We champion them. You are so excited about those people who said, that's me. God, we're going to sing and rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that was you, man, you can step out. Otherwise, we'll wait to the end of the